And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Boy, I had a serious, serious scare this last week, so I'm going to take you all on a journey through my ride of terror that I experienced on Tuesday. Um, thanks for joining me here. We're up to episode 54, I think, of, uh, of The Drop Set. Thank you very much for joining me. You know who I am. I know who you are. I'm just kidding. I don't know who you are, but make yourself known to me. Reach out. Contact me. Give me some feedback. Let me know what you think here. Um, yeah, so how did I get scared? So uh, the way it worked out is I went to the gym, no pun intended, get it, um, on Tuesday, came back, and b- before I left, my computer did this thing. It's a Windows computer. I run Windows 10 here. And uh, say all you Mac people, I've had a Mac before. I have an iPad that I use for a lot of stuff. I'm a big Apple fan, but uh, I, for the setup that I, I wanted to implement here, it was just going to be cost prohibitive to do that with a Mac. So I had to go Windows. It's not my favorite thing in the world, but I make it work. So anyway, Windows told me as I'm sitting here doing updates in the morning, you know, I'm working on some client stuff before I go to the gym. And it's like, hey, we need to restart your computer. How about now? I'm like, I have 5,000 things open. How about not now? How about snooze like 1 a.m.? Okay, cool. Go away. So I go to the gym and I come back and my computer has decided that 1 a.m. was right then apparently. And I come back and it's in the middle of restarting itself and doing all these updates. And it's sitting there and it says, I'll never forget, 84% complete. Do not turn your computer off. Please wait. Okay, cool. 90 minutes pass. It's still at 84%. I don't know how long it's been sitting there. Maybe it had been there for an hour before I got home. Like, clearly it's stuck. So what does this idiot do? He disobeys the instructions on the screen that says, don't turn your computer off. And I turn my computer off, and then I turn it back on. And that was pretty much the end of it right there. So <laughs> at that point, it, it takes a little bit of time. And it's like, hey, you know, I'm going to pretend like I'm going to work here. It gets me to the sign-in screen. I'm like, wow, it doesn't even say it's going to finish updating. This must be awesome. Okay, sign in. And then there's an error, like, you know, cannot load desktop, like the recycle bin shows up. I can't click on anything without getting any errors. There's no other icons or anything. I mean, it's just totally, totally a dead and unusable brick. And immediately I'm like, I got shit to do. I don't have time for this. <laughs> I, I am behind on client updates. I'm looking at them. So I'm... You know, and the problem is every little troubleshooting thing that I want to try takes like 15 minutes because my computer is in this not fully updated state. So everything it does is just at a sloth's pace. Uh, it, it was maddening. So I, I say, well, let me try and get into safe mode here. I'll spare you the whole troubleshooting process. Clearly, everything's fine now. Um, but uh, I, I try something I'm like, let's reboot into safe mode, wait 15 minutes. So I'm sitting here on my phone trying to catch up with emails with clients and you know, sending people notes saying, hey, this looks like it's going to be a long day. I got your update. I might not get back to you until tomorrow. I'll keep you posted. Um, in the end, I ended up losing five hours that day. I didn't lose any data. I did lose all of my programs that I had to go and re- reinstall everything. And you know, I was hoping like, my God, I hope all my old podcast files are here. So in the end, it, it all worked out well. Um, lesson learned. Well, a couple lessons. First of all, back up your data so you don't panic. Now, I do a monthly backup on everything, um, but that's going to turn into a weekly backup now just because I started thinking, man, it, it's been about a month since, since my last backup. That's a lot of data to go back and try to 
try to recollect and redo. There's been a lot of stuff that's happened. So I don't really want to have to do that. So it, weekly, I'm like, I can deal with a week. Lesson two is when your computer says, please don't turn it off, don't freaking turn it off. Don't assume that you know better because you will screw it up, um, especially if it's Windows, because Windows is basically, you know, that, that, jackass you always know that's trying to bait you into doing things that you know are bad for you that's windows it's like come on try and break me try and break me oh i'm broken okay cool so anyway we're back now uh this episode um we are gonna hear shortly um my interview that i did with a client of mine alex bassett who just um competed twice up in the pacific northwest she did the vancouver natural and the emerald cup um, about five weeks apart. Those were her first two shows. Um, so the Vancouver Natural is a show that I've gone to before. Both of them are, actually. I used to live in Oregon, so um, I'd gone to both of those shows in the past. As far as natural shows are concerned, now that is an NPC show, but it is drug tested. Um, it's a it's a really good show. Um, you know, the, the venue is decent. Uh, I think typically it's at like a high school auditorium. I'm not sure where it was this year. Um, but the venue's typically decent. It's typically a, a, a pretty good sized show. She did great there. We were really happy with that. She did um, True Novice took first, Novice took first, and Open took second. Um, and those weren't hollow victories. It's not like she was the only one in her class or anything. So she, she did great there. And then went on to the Emerald Cup, which is the largest regional non-pro-am show in the country. I think I can safely say that. Um, it's a two-day show, all amateur NPC uh, up in Washington State. And she took fourth in her open class there, which was great. So um, anyway, we'll, you'll hear her interview, and we're going to talk about everything relating to prep, like what got her started all the way through show day. Um, and then also she's a vegetarian, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. And she also has to deal with Crohn's disease. So we're going to talk about that as well and how that impacts um, her diet and just her, her life in general. So Stay tuned for that. Let's talk about some poll results here. Um, the uh, poll that I had up on the website right now with uh, 947 people voting. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was 18 people who voted. But one of these days, I'm going to say that, and nobody's going to laugh at me. Like, oh, only 947? Damn, it must have been a slow week. So um, don't forget, there's a poll up on my website. You, you, you pull up 5starphysique.com. Let me step you through it right now. 5, that's all spelled out, F-I-V-E, star, that's two R's, and physique, you know how to spell that, dot com. You click that. There's a big monochrome collage that shows up. You just scroll down right below that, and then the poll question is right here. So the old one, you know, I talked with Neil Thanedar, um last episode about supplements testing um and so it was on my mind uh, this study regarding bcaa's and how they are you know not necessarily having any kind of impact when it comes to building muscle is that going to impact how you use them i was kind of surprised by these results i thought i would be kind of in the minority my vote was no i'll continue using them 61 percent of people agreed with me on that 61 percent said no we're going to continue using them 22 percent said yeah i'm less likely to, to, to continue using those and then 17 percent already was not using them. So um, it seems like the supplement industry and the manufacturers of BCAAs will find a way to survive with, you know, 20-ish percent saying, eh, I'm going to take a pass now, whereas I was using them before. So um, the uh, poll question for this week is uh, an easy one. Um, it is... Uh, it may impact how I do things going forward here just a little bit. So this last weekend was the New York Pro. I don't know if anybody saw any photos from that, if anybody was following. And that's really my question. My question is, let me actually 
pull it up here so that I get the verbiage of it correct. I don't want to misrepresent what this poll is supposed to say. I, I just officially retired the old one and just pushed the new one live. So the question is, do you follow pro bodybuilding and care about those results? Very easy. Yes, no. Because if it's overwhelmingly yes, it would kind of make sense for me to talk about it and, you know, maybe not have giant feature segments about it. And, you know, there's only so much that you can do talking about, you know, who, who came in with what kind of conditioning it shows um, on a podcast, which is all audio. Um, there's no visuals to accompany it. But nonetheless, it might be worth talking about and just, you know, keeping people abreast news and, you know, topical events and that kind of thing. So, if you're interested and you want more of that, then go vote. And if you're not interested and you will beg me not to talk about pro shows, go and vote your conscience there as well. So um, I, I, strangely enough, considering I am somebody who, who makes his living off of bodybuilding, I don't really follow pro shows. I feel kind of bad about that, though. So if it's overwhelmingly like, yeah, we, Darren, we care about this. All right, cool. Well, I'm going to follow him a little bit more closely and I'll report on him back here for you. So, um Coming up in a future episode, um, I'm in the process right now of getting it scheduled, but there's going to be an interview coming up with a suit designer who I will not name, um, but it should be good. So I've got, and I, I posted this to Facebook yesterday, didn't get a whole lot of response on that. My Facebook page, it's, uh, I don't know, it's a little sad at times because um, I've gone through phases where I really neglect it and oftentimes it's just cross-posted stuff from my Instagram feed. So I'm like, eh, maybe it wasn't the best place to reach this out. But at the very least, you can go and watch this video on my Facebook page, um, facebook.com slash physique, and you can see my dog at the very least because he really wanted to be in this video. So um, if you if you wanted to, if you can't get enough Taz, then there you go. You can find him there. Um, but uh, what I'm asking for is I've got, uh, you know, what part of, of securing interviews is, you know, sending over, sending people over like a, a list of preliminary questions and topics that you want to talk about. Um, and I think it's, it's good for a couple things. So um, like if I'm going to secure an interview with somebody from the NPC who, um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, and we'll see if that ever happens. Um, <clears throat> so far, just trying to get them to respond to an email is tricky. That was true when I was trying to send them money as a competitor as well. It's just, I don't know. I, I'm not sure who runs that organization. I am. I'm not sure who responds to emails in that organization. Um, but, uh, you know, if they've listened to this, they know that I'm, I'm, I've been fairly critical of the NPC and they may might say, hey, we want to see a list of questions and I'm not going to send over a list of softball questions and then hit them with all the hard stuff. Like it's going to be an accurate representation of what I want to talk about. And with a suit designer, you know, I'm not looking to hammer them on the cost of their suits or anything like that. What I'm looking to do is say, let's have a real discussion about, you know, the kind of things that go into purchasing a suit, how to, you know, for somebody that hasn't done this before, um, or maybe has done it once and it was a really challenging experience and they're not sure they really got what they wanted, um, how should they approach it? You know, is it kind of an educational type thing? So they want to see some questions. And also, I want somebody to come on the interview um, and I want them to be prepared. I want them to know what we're talking about. And I don't want them to be like, oh, I don't really know. You know, I want to make sure that I'm talking with somebody that actually knows the answers to these questions. So a lot of these companies, they have multiple people they could throw my way. They need to figure out who the best one is and the questions that I want to ask will determine who they send um, here. So what I would really love, and this is the crux of the Facebook video that I posted yesterday, I would love some input from you on possible questions to ask. So if you've gone through this process before and you you've made mistakes or you had a really good experience with it or you haven't done this before and you're loaded up with questions, what would you like me to ask? 
Um, so let me know. Um, you know, you know how to hit me up. You know, find me on Facebook. Find me on Instagram, Darren underscore star. Um, just go to the website, Five Star Physique. Fill out the contact form there. You can send it to me. I mean, I'm easy to get a hold of. So um, I, I would love to have your input on that. I just want to make sure that that interview is as thorough and comprehensive as it possibly can be. Um, the other thing that I want to focus on here, and then we'll get right into it, and we'll we'll talk to Alex for a bit, um, is uh, I'm really looking to grow this show. So um, I'm, I've started paying a little bit more attention to metrics and how many plays I get and things like that. So I'm watching it now, and now I'm kind of obsessed. I'm like, all right, now we need to build the audience, and I need to continue to put on the highest quality show I possibly can. That's first and foremost. And always have, you know, interesting content, make it compelling to listen to. Um, but at the same time, I need to make sure people are aware of this because, I mean, I know a lot of us out there, we've done things, you know, we've started a business, um, we, we've, you know, tried to increase our footprint in social media. And the hardest part is just getting people to know you're there. So this is me. I'm making a big ask right now. Help me out. That's it. Help me out. There's a lot of ways you can do it. The, the I'd say the first and most powerful way you can help me out is tell your friends. Tell your friends about what, I mean, if you listen to this, clearly uh, I'm, I'm going to make the assumption that you're listening to it because you don't just want to listen to me and make fun of me for an hour a week. I mean, maybe that's your thing. And if so, great. You know, I, I will take it. They say there's no such thing as bad publicity. I don't really buy into that, but you know, I'll ride that wave for a little bit if that's what it takes. So um, I'm assuming you get something out of this. So tell your friends, you know, share it on social media. I would love that. Tag me when you share it. You know, if you see um, my post getting um, put up, I, uh, uh, indicating new episodes, share that. Throw it in your story. Tag me in your story. Tag me in your post. Um, share it on Facebook, um, Twitter, uh, whatever. You know, if you see my pin on Pinterest and follow me there, I put up a pin for every episode. Um, share it there as well. So or, or pin it, repin it, et cetera. I don't. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I don't really know how Pinterest works. I just throw my stuff up there and I know that it gets some eyeballs. So um, so that, that's the big thing. Tell your friends, share it on social media, tag me when you do it. Um, I have started um, with uh, last week's uh, episode with uh, um, Neil, Neil Thanadar. I, uh, I posted some, some interesting like one minute clips that I thought were kind of um, provocative and I posted those to SoundCloud and then I shared those um, through Twitter. And then also I incorporated that into um, Instagram and Facebook posts so you can share those as well. So those would show up as video, but it's just a still image of, you know, the, the, the promo image for the podcast with the audio playing behind it. So we'll see more of that. Um, and then the, the other thing, you can share those as well. The other thing that would be super helpful would be ratings and reviews. And I promise I'm going to get off this train and shut the hell up and get down to the nitty gritty of this episode shortly here. So I'll make this brief. Ratings and reviews. There's three spots I'm going to be looking here. And it's iTunes, it's CastBox, and it's Stitcher. Um, if you listen on any of those platforms and you leave me a review on there, I'm going to give you a shout out right here in the next episode. So... Um, I know you're saying like, Ooh, boy, big time. Well, I mean, Hey, you know, it's, it's what I can do. So <laughs> I would, I would love to recognize, um, the fact that you listen and, and, and thank you for that. So it makes all this worthwhile. Um, so yeah, I, again, iTunes, Castbox, and Stitcher. If you listen on any of those three platforms, great, throw up a review. And if you listen on something else that I haven't listed here, let me know what it is. Shoot me a note and I'll go check it out. 
Uh, and I know, you know, some people listen on uh, Google Play Music as well. Last I checked, they don't allow you to leave reviews. Um, so if I'm wrong, great, do that there and let me know, um, and I'll check that out as well. Other um, one other point of uh, of news here. Uh, I wanted to hold off until it was official, and I was hoping it would be before I recorded this. But it looks like I may soon be on Spotify as well. So that's exciting. I'll keep you posted on that. So now that I have officially talked your ear off. And bored y'all to death. Let's get down to it here. Let's see what Alex is up to. Follow Darren on Instagram at Darren underscore star to see client profiles, updated workout plans, and tips and tricks on training and nutrition. Okay, my next guest. Uh, we started working together in March of 2017 in anticipation of her first two figure shows that were in the spring of this year. Just finished those. She took home a pair of firsts and a second place at the Vancouver Natural and fourth in her open class at the Emerald Cup just a month later. This is Alex Bassett. Alex, welcome, and it is really great to have you here. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah. So, and this is uh, we're recording this on a Sunday as well. So, thanks for taking time out of your weekend to uh, to be on here. Yeah, I just got my brother just graduated from college, so I just got back from visiting my parents um, this weekend. So it was a fun weekend. Nice, nice. And you're in Washington State. Are they close by? Uh, they live about sixty miles south of me. I, yeah, I live in Seattle, and they live in Olympia, which is the state capital. So, fun fact. Woohoo! Your guests didn't know that. <laughs> Hopefully, they know that, but. <laughs> they they do now. I have uh, the only experience that I have with Olympia because I used to live in Oregon and I went up to Seattle several times for you know Mariners games or concerts or whatever. Yeah. Uh, all I ever did was just drive through Olympia and just get yeah. through it. Yeah, that's what most most people's experiences with it. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing that I like to do um, when I'm just talking with people that you know, I mean, trying trying to share stories, etc. You know, we are bodybuilders, but we don't typically do that full time. So you don't. So tell us a little bit about what your non bodybuilding life is like. What do you do? Well, I mean, coming off prep, it kind of has been my life life the past five months. But that that's fair. Uh, so I'm an accountant. Uh, I work at Warehouser, which is a really large timber company. Um, down downtown Seattle. Um, I have a, I was just telling you, I have a 24 pound cat. Um, so he's a Maine Coon, um, which is just a big, large breed. But, um, so it's just, his name's Arnold after the great Arnold. Um, (laughs) but we're not sure how much this Arnold benches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, just family, friends, kind of the typical. I'm like two years out of college, so just exploring the city, hiking, um, all that kind of stuff. But like I said prior, I'm just kind of getting back into the normal swing of things after doing the competition prep. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit of an adjustment period, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. I, I was telling my parents this weekend, it's, I'm like three weeks post-show now, and it's finally feeling like I can formulate conversations and like articulate what I'm trying to say and kind of be back back into the normal flow of life again. So it's exciting. <laughs> and so you're not just having conversations with people and just thinking about food and envisioning donuts and the exactly. associated macros up over their heads. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And one of the things that uh, I, I really enjoy about your um, social media is you've got a lot of pictures. I mean, your cat's on there, but a lot of random pictures of dogs as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So I dog sit um, on the side, kind of a side gig. So I live in a really small studio in Seattle. 
um, and so I can't have a dog. Um, but there's an app called Rover um, in Seattle, so I'm a dog sitter on there, and um, it's kind of it's kind of like another social media app. You just set up a profile, and then people find you on there, and then you can go dog sit, get paid to hang out with dogs. So that's pretty much the best gig in the world, if you ask me. Is seriously, my my wife's a teacher, and she's approaching summer break, and she was actually considering doing that just because oh. you know she's going to have free time and you know dogs. So why not? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. Tell us a little bit about what your daily routine looks like, because I always, I, I've gone through several phases in my life where, you know, when I was in college and I'd have to get up at 4.30 to go to the gym and, you know, do my meal prep here and there and just try to put it together. I always like hearing other people's stories, and I think it's good perspective for other people to hear what somebody who's been through the whole pre-contest process, what their daily routine looks like. So, um yeah. Yeah, so, not just now, but also when you were in prep, because I know cardio was a lot different then. Otherwise, it's a lot of the same thing. So just tell us a little bit, a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, I wake up around 5.30 a.m. and roll out to the gym, do cardio. Um, I can actually just walk to the gym. It's a couple blocks away, so that was super nice on prep. Um, I didn't have Sweet. to get in the car and drive. Um, so I do that, come back, eat, get ready to go um, to work. I usually work from like seven to four. That's kind of the time frame. It's it's flexible, but so I take the bus down to work, um, work, and then come home, go to the gym. But then I don't. I am not a typical meal prepper on Sundays. I just prepare my meals the night before, I guess. So I just found that's the way I like to do it. Um, you have a little quality kitchen time every night. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, I just make my make my dinner and then make my meals for the next day. Um, and this is during the week. It's pretty structured. I really like structure. I, I think a lot of bodybuilders do, and um, kind of type A personalities do. So um, pretty much the same. And I try to be in bed by like eight thirty, which a lot of my friends call me a grandma because I'm 24 and I go to bed at eight thirty. But hey. <laughs> I need my sleep. So. Well, you're speaking my language. For me, I kind of hit that wall in my uh, you know, mid to late 30s where I started going to bed earlier and earlier. So you just got a head start. You know, By the time you're in your 30s, it's going to be like you know, 645 in bed. That's I know. it. I'm running into trouble now because it's summer. It's starting to be summertime. And so it's light out until around 830. And I'm like, oh, boy, this is embarrassing. I'm in bed and it's still light out. <laughs> It's okay. Don't judge yourself. If, if yeah. That's where it starts. If you judge yourself, then everybody else is going to follow suit. But if you just exactly. own it, everybody else will be cool with it. Exactly. So. <laughs> um, what was it that made you decide to compete? Um, Besides so, a, a momentary bout of insanity, obviously. Exactly. Yeah, that goes without being said. Um, no, I've been wanting to compete for a while, but I was. I think I was nervous and I knew it was scary and going to be really hard and so um I don't remember the exact moment where I was like I'm going to do this but I throughout college I had a lot of friends um my ex-boyfriend he competed so I kind of got to see it firsthand just the commitment of it so I think that kind of I kind of have commitment issues and I think that was part of it I just was scared um but I really wanted I knew I would regret it if I didn't do it at some point in my life and there, there was no better time. So, <clears throat> and I also, I think when I first contacted you, I asked you what division you thought I could be in, mm -hmm. like bikini or figure. And, and I knew from the beginning I wanted to start with figure. I didn't, I wasn't really 
wanting to start with bikini ever. So um, I think just realizing that I needed to take years to build a, a good foundation to start with figure. Um, you can't just hop into that division. You have to you have to put some time behind it. So I wanted to make sure totally. I was prepared and ready and could set myself up uh, to actually do well because I'm very competitive. And so if I would have just got up there and looked out of place and not done well, then I would have been really frustrated with myself. So I think just I needed to take the, the years to build up the confidence to go after it, I guess. Well, if it's any kind of, uh, you know, uh, retroactive justification, I use you as an example a lot of somebody doing it the right way where you contact a coach and you're like, all right, let's do this, but like next year. So what do I need to do now? And that's what you did. So we, we focused for about, you know, from the time you started and you'd already been doing some work on your own for sure. Yeah. Uh, but we started just in, into basically like a, with, with a little break here and there about a, nine months straight growth phase, just trying to put on as much size uh, responsibly as we possibly could. Exactly. Yeah. There was a lot of food and a lot of, <laughs> we, we were up to like 26, 2700 calories a day Easy. consistently. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. You just have to, you just got to put the steps and you can't, you can't cut corners in the sport. Um, I mean, there's enhancements and other things you can do, but to do it as a natural athlete, it just takes time. So, and I knew that, and that is the thing with, with new prospective clients or, or people that want to get into the sport, they don't understand the time commitment, like the years it takes to, to build on size, put on size and build, like it just takes so much time. Um, there's there's that that's the the third thing i always say there, there's two things that people always get wrong but really there's three it's you know everybody underestimates how much time it's going to take they yeah. overestimate how much muscle they have on their frame and they underestimate how much fat they carry <laughs> yeah exactly and until you go through the process you just don't really have that kind of perspective like you get up on stage and you're like man I, I could have still shed a couple pounds more. I thought I was lean, but I could have been a little bit leaner. And until you go through it once, you just never really see that the way it is. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there were, uh, I'm going to throw a couple things back in your face here. So this may be a little embarrassing, but um, I went through your initial assessment form that you sent to me over a year ago. And I pulled a couple choice quotes out of there that I thought, I thought these were fairly amusing. So um <laughs> What, one of the first things that you said in there was um, that you slowly started incorporating lifting into your routine towards the end of 2013. Granted, I was getting my lifting routines off of Pinterest and thinking the air squats were the way to go. Um, <laughs> yes, I was. I love that. I think that's great, yeah. and I see so much of that stuff on there. But, I mean, did it at that point, did that feel like a productive thing to be doing? Did that seem to make sense to you? Yeah, so I always played sports in high school, and when I got to college, I didn't have a team or, like, sport or anything, so I kind of was like, what What do I do? Um, so my freshman year, I was a kind of a runner. I would run, like, five miles a day and then go slam a bunch of carbs and pasta and alcohol and whatever as a college kid. <laughs> so, um, and then I started seeing or, like, wanting to put on some muscle or mostly in my legs, like, um, I was like, oh, I should start start doing some workouts. But in college, the college gym environment can be pretty intimidating. And especially the way ours was set up was the bottom floor was all weights and then the top was all cardio. And I think a lot of them are like that. Um, and so it tends to be the females 
gravitate more towards the cardio section and then it's kind of intimidating down on the floor if you're not into lifting to be a girl down there with all the guys. So I think I was nervous about that. So I slowly was like getting my feet wet by going on Pinterest and, and then that's, yeah, that information that's circulating on Pinterest of like the air squats is going to get you this, these legs out of a fitness magazine. It's like, it's not true at all. Like that's never going to work, but people eat that up and I, I fell for it too. I was over in the corner doing air squats thinking that um, it was going to get me somewhere. But I mean, it, it did get me, I guess, more confidence in the movements to kind of start incorporating and yeah. add weight. But yeah, I definitely started with the Pinterest workouts, which a lot of girls do, I think. So <laughs> Yeah, it's a very appropriate stepping stone, but it's not really the, uh, the, the final place where you want to end up. No, definitely not. So I'm glad it <laughs> broke out of that. Yeah. 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 The other quote that I, uh, that I pulled out of there that I thought was hilarious. And I remember reading this back at the time and I'd totally forgotten about it and then, uh, pulled it up today. Uh, quote, at that point in my life, I also remember seeing a picture of Dana Lynn Bailey and thinking that she looked gross. And now there is no one in the world that I would rather look like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was thinking about that too. Um, I've said that before multiple times because I do remember seeing I don't know. I think I can remember the specific picture of her, just her shoulders and like her shoulder striations. And I was like, Oh my gosh, why would anyone ever want to look like that? And then <laughs> now like I've met her a couple of times, like she's awesome. Like she's one of the coolest people on the planet and I totally would love to look like her one day. So yeah, it just bodybuilding is such a progression. I feel like, like you, you get into it and then you always want more and more and more. It's like, the day you started lifting is the day you, you became forever small or whatever quote that is. Like you're never yeah, gonna... the, the last day you're ever satisfied with your appearance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're just kind of chasing the carrot for the rest of your existence. I guess. Exactly. Yep. Yep. That's pretty much, uh, I think that's pretty universal. That's pretty much yeah. how it works for all of us. Definitely. <laughs> so, um, we, we had a, a bit of a process getting ready for these first two shows. Like I said, we started back in March of last year. You were around, um, how, how tall are you for us? What, what, what was that? How tall are you? You're like 5'4"? Oh, I'm 5'7", five, well, but I was measuring in at like 5'6". I measured in at 5'5 five, five for the Emerald. I'm not sure. <laughs> you're just you're shrinking rapidly during prep, yeah. apparently. Yeah, someone was saying, I don't know if this is factual at all, but in, when we were checking in, a lot of people were measuring short, and someone said that sometimes when you're so depleted and all your water levels are jacked up and everything's going on the day before the show, your spine can actually compress, and so you actually can shrink a little bit. I, don't I think know. that could be responsible for about a millimeter or so, but certainly you're not going to lose an inch doing that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not two inches. <laughs> But I think maybe in high school, I would always kind of like pad my stats on for athletics. Um, so I probably said I was five seven, but I've probably always been like five six. Yeah. <laughs> I think more more than likely, it's just everybody's depleted and nobody has the energy to stand up with good posture when they're getting measured. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so five, five so somewhere around like five six, we'll call it. Um, yeah. So when you started, you were a, a relatively lean one thirty five, and then we got up to the point where we, we were about cracking one fifty. Yeah. And by the time you hit stage, you were very close down to one twenty. So that's quite a quite a journey there, just through the numbers. Yeah, quite a swing, and so. Yeah, that's a lot of 
poundage to be lost and fat loss. I got I got my body fat tested before and after, and I was 24% body fat going into it, going into prep, and then came out at 14 at the end. So nice, nice. <laughs> Um, and so going back to March, we pretty much started that growth phase immediately. I think we had like four, one little, um, four week mini cut that was thrown in there. And then we started, um, the actual pre-contest phase in December. Tell me a little bit about that growth phase, because this is the phase that a lot of people skip because really even more than prep, it feels like a slog because it can be a long time. Like it can be a year, it can be two years, it can be five years for some people, depending on your genetics and how far you've got to go. So how did you keep yourself focused through all that and on track, knowing that, you know, you can get away with a little bit here and there. If you're off by a little bit on some macros, it's not really the end of the world. How did you stay focused through that? Yeah, I think just having the goal, like verbalizing the fact that I was going to compete the following spring, I think that was a very big part of keeping me focused and on track. Like I had told my friends, I told my family, I'm going to do this. I had a coach. So I think um, just the com the commitment in my mind that I knew it was coming and I, need I needed to be serious about what I was doing um, and also serious about the macros and shoving food down and growing because I didn't want to get my biggest fear was getting up on stage and not looking like I belonged with those girls, you know? Sure. Um, and so I knew that I needed to put on some size. And so, yeah, I just, I was extremely focused throughout the growth phase because that really is the most important phase in my opinion, because if you don't grow and you cut down, you're going to cut down to nothing. And so it's not going to get you anywhere. So, um, yeah, you're not going to be left with any shape once you get back, once you get up on stage. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's the most important. Um, yeah, you just got to, sometimes you don't want to eat 2,600 calories um, but every day, but you got to do it because um, it's just part of the process. So, yeah. Indeed, indeed. And I, I think you did a really good job during the growth phase of, you know, staying consistent with things, but not being psychotic with everything, but allowing yourself a little bit of leeway here and there, like, you know, go out with, you know, friends, have a drink or two, something like that. I mean, I always tell people that the off season is the time when you can get away with that stuff. You, you not so much pre-contest. And yeah. so you did a good job of, of incorporating some of that, still staying, you know, within the general guidelines of what we were looking for. And then once prep hit, it was like a light switch and it's like robot mode. All that stuff is gone and now we're on it. Yeah, exactly. And I think I knew that that was coming, the fact that I couldn't do any of that. So, yeah, I did allow myself to live a little bit while I was in the, the growth phase, um, just because I knew what was coming, I think. So, yeah. Well, it's a smart move because it makes that, that pre contest phase feel a little bit more sustainable if you don't deprive yourself of that stuff year round. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a kind of a mental thing, too. Yeah, just allow yourself to relax a little bit, but still keep your foot on the gas I would say like 90% of the time um but if you if yeah if you go out like once a month or something it's not going to kill you in the growth phase so yeah and don't don't beat yourself up over it just say I did this I'm doing it I enjoyed it there we go moving yeah, on exactly exactly so how did then the pre-contest the shift into the pre-contest phase how did that change your life <laughs> um <laughs> 
I laughed. Uh, For, formulated an answer here. How how to answer this question without sounding bitter? I think. Yeah. No. I'm <laughs> looking back on it. I mean, I'm really glad I did it. It was a super good challenge. Um, but I would encourage anyone that's looking to do a bodybuilding show to definitely be in a good spot mentally. Um, because, and I think I was. Um, yeah, because it's going to be very, very challenging in, in ways I can't even describe. So um, it's hard. Uh, yeah, so I guess how my life changed. Um, I just, it became my life, I would say. Um, just <laughs> in the fact, the time-consuming aspects. Also, as you get closer to the show, the mental aspect, um, you, yeah, it's hard to explain, but... Um, yeah, it just becomes everything, I guess. I weighed all, you weigh all your meals, you know what you're putting in your body for five months, you can't go out to eat, you can't, you can go out with friends, but you can drink water, like, it, your social life is is pretty much gone. Um, you really become the life of the party, don't you? Oh, yeah, for sure. They were, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, at work, they stopped asking me to go at happy hours, so, um <laughs> They were tired. Have, have they started asking you again? Yeah, they started now, but I still I still usually drink water, but um, but at least I'm more energetic and fun. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, so I just be, it kind of just becomes your life, I would say. Um, yeah, it's a lot more time consuming for sure with the cardio thrown in. I mean, we, we've always done a little bit. It got down pretty low at some point, but mm-hmm. um, during pre contest, we certainly kicked it up, and so you've really got to adjust your schedule. And I always tell people think about how you can find more minutes out of your day. You know, how can you get more efficient with things? So was that a challenge for you? Did you have, I know you're a planner, so I I, I won't say it was easy, but it was manageable for you. Yeah. I think I had a pretty good structure going in and I think that's important in the, in the growth phase to kind of build those routines and structures because you know that the, the pre-contest is coming. So, um, yeah, I was pretty much used to getting up early, going to the gym before work, and then going to the gym after work. So, um, yeah, I think just really trying to set yourself up for success um, as much as you can while you can still think and um, while you can still eat food, that's important. Um, so, yeah, I'd encourage, yeah, yeah, definitely. So routines, I think, are very, very helpful in this sport. So you did two shows this year. The first one was Vancouver Natural Show. So you've gone through this whole process. Um, this show was kind of intended to be, I mean, you know, we weren't trying to sell ourselves short, but it was intended to be a tune-up for the Emerald Cup, which was a much larger show about four weeks later, four or five. Um, and so with, with the Vancouver Natural Show, it is your first show. It's your first time on stage. What do you remember about that day specifically? Oh, it was a whirlwind, um, but that show was a ton of fun. Um, yeah, it was my first time, but for some reason I wasn't really nervous. I think I knew that I had done all I could do, and I was, I had posed, I would practiced walking in heels, I'd done everything, so I was just really trying to kind of enjoy the day because it is fun to get, like, all your makeup done and hair done and everything like that, um, so... Yeah, you should have seen the smile on my face when I got off stage after the first division in it because I was having a ton of fun up state, on stage. I didn't know if I'd like it going on stage in a bikini in front of hundreds of people, but it was actually really fun. 
you never know until you try it definitely falls into that category yeah exactly um but even backstage all the girls were at that show were super 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 nice and everyone's helping each other and yeah so i was really happy that i did that show like you said to kind of get my feet wet um get the nerves out and prepare for the emerald cup yeah. Yeah, and so that show I'm I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I believe you pulled in first in true novice, first in novice and second in your open class and figure, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So I yeah, so I went up on stage three separate times. Um so it was a lot of stage time. I think that was part of the reason why it was fun too, because at the Emerald I got like ten seconds of stage time at in the schools <laughs> and like hours and hours and hours of waiting. So um, yeah, I think the the local shows can be a lot of fun because um, it's just everyone, it's just a better sense of community, I feel like, and everyone's more encouraging. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then the uh, the Emerald Cup, I think that one was five weeks later. So this, um, for people who are not in the know, um, back when I lived in the Northwest, I went to this show a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Big show. It's an amateur show, but it's a two-day event. Um, it is, I think, I think somebody's going to call me out and prove me wrong, but I will go ahead and say, I think it's the only two day amateur only NPC show in the country. Yeah. I, um, it's big. It's the biggest show besides nationals and junior nationals in the country. Um, yeah. And I mean, it, it was a two day event, but I mean, the great thing about that for you, I mean, all the action was on one day, so you didn't have to be there for both days. Yeah. Um, um, and this show, th- this was not drug tested, so this is a different. Uh, this is a whole different field once you got there. So, how did the? I mean, clearly you had less stage time in this show. How else would those two? How else would you contrast the experience between those two? Yeah. So um, the first show was at a high school. Um, this show was in Bellevue at the Maidenbauer Center, which is uh, kind of like a convention center type um, type venue, I guess. So there's probably- much bigger facility. Yeah, so they're seating for a couple thousand versus the couple hundred in the high school auditorium. So just the stage, I guess, is a lot, a lot bigger. And I knew that going in. I had last March or last April, I guess, um, in 2017, I went to watch the Emerald Cup because I knew that I was thinking about competing in that show um, the following year. So I kind of had already scoped out the the venue. Um, and then it was a lot better organized as well. Um, then the first show, just because the scale, I mean, there's hundreds of athletes. It kind of had to be. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of had to be. Um, and yeah, all the girls sitting backstage were super nice as well. Um, I never ran into any issues with that. So, but just like the, the production, I guess, quality was, uh, is a couple steps up, um, from the first show. So, it was a ton of fun. We got like a lot of swag. Is that what it's called? Um, like t-shirts yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, so they, and like samples, this, this show has like booths, kind of like a convention, like a Mr. Olympia convention, like in muscle egg it's got an expo component to it. Yeah. And muscle egg is a sponsor. And like, so in quest, like there's some big, big names coming in, um, big guest posers, pros. So, so yeah. yeah was, who, who was there? Who was guest posing this year? Uh, oh gosh, there's Michael Spencer, the IFBB pro in, in the Seattle area. And then I don't know the guy's name. Oh, oh, okay. It was on Saturday that the, the real big, 
composer was there. I don't remember who it was because I didn't, I didn't compete on Saturday. I competed on Friday. You're like, peace out. <laughs> yeah, I, I had my like, fill on Friday. Exactly. I was probably eating pizza while they were composing. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I went several, it was probably 10 years ago the last time I went there, but uh, Dennis James was a guest poser. Okay. And uh, he was deep into his off season. And I mean, the dude had to oh. weigh... I don't know, 300 and something. I mean, he was just huge. There was like not an ounce, not, not a, an iota of definition to be seen anywhere on him. He looked like a balloon up there. It was just, it was cartoonish. I'm like, this is weird, but okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Different kind of thing. Um, okay. So there, there are three other things that I wanted to touch on here. Three things that you can speak to with experience. The first one, um, not uh, none of these are unique to you, but I think all three of those together um, make you fairly unique. The first one is we did this entire thing, start to finish from day one up until today, doing a macro-based plan. Yeah. So talk about your approach to that, um, because I, I certainly have things that I advocate for when doing macros, like... I, I say, you know, use the structure to create a meal plan for yourself. Don't necessarily wing it because that's harder. But how did you do it? How did you make it work on a daily basis? Yeah, so I had been using kind of a macro base in for a while um, before we started working together, or at least my fitness pal I had been incorporating because um, nutrition is just such a big part of bodybuilding. You can't neglect the nutrition and expect to get any sort of results that are good. Um, so... The way I approach it is usually the night before. I didn't include this in my daily routine, but usually the night before I plan out all my meals for the following day. Um, so I plug everything into my fitness pal. Um, and I usually eat kind of the same foods every every day. So I, I kind of have a good idea of what's going to fit and what's not. But um, there is some wiggle room and I can add things or take things out um, if if I want to. Um, so yeah, I kind of plan it out the day before. And then as the day goes on though, if, if something comes up or I'm like, Oh, I really want this food. Um, you can, I can swap it out. And so I think macro based dieting is definitely, at least for me, the way to go because it allows you some flexibility and freedom, um, to, Hey, that I want a slice of pizza. Um, Let's see, I can estimate the macros in the growth phase, estimate the macros, um, <laughs> and and it's totally cool, and I don't have to have, like, a crazy binge, like, off-meal plan thing because I, I had a slice of pizza, I'm satisfied, and I can move on with my life, so. You find yourself uh, denying yourself less. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's the key to be having a sustainable, balanced, lifestyle i mean there's so many crazy diets out there and just people you see it all the time people just um struggle i guess to to find a way to live healthy and i think macros um, definitely allow you that flexibility and freedom to do so yeah i think you know they're certainly gaining acceptance but i think there are a lot of old schoolers that are still um that still have still take objection to it because I think bodybuilding tends to encourage people to suffer more and restrict themselves more. And in so doing, they think that by doing that, they become more successful. And so this kind of works against that. But yet, you know, if you do it right, it absolutely works. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it doesn't um, have to So you're also, oh, oh. sorry, go ahead. 
No, go ahead. Yeah, it doesn't have to be chicken and rice all the time. I mean, that's a good way to go. And obviously eating whole foods and and um, nourishing foods is good, but um, it's not going to kill you if you squeeze a slice of pizza in your macros when you want to. So. That's right. That's right. Now, it certainly doesn't have to be chicken and rice all the time because you specifically are a vegetarian. So uh, tell us a little bit about that. And the first thing that I ask, and this is without any judgment at all, but it's just worth knowing why. <laughs> oh, okay. So I've been a vegetarian since I was six years old. Um, six? Yeah. And I'll stand by my reason until the day that I die. It's just because I love animals. Oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. It's just I love animals. And that's my reason now, and it always will be. Um, I don't, yeah, my, my parents are super supportive, and when I was six, I was like, Mom, I don't want to eat meat anymore, and from then on, she would always make me a separate meal from my family. No one in my family is a vegetarian. Um, just you. Just me. I'm the special one. So, yeah, now <laughs> it's kind of second nature to me. I don't really even think about it, but I guess um, it does kind of add a level of complexity when you're talking about protein intake and, and macros. It's just a little bit different. You kind of have to be a little bit more creative sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah. So what kind of protein sources would you rely on typically? Um, so I eat, so I'm a, there's a lot of categories of vegetarians. I'm a lacto-ovo vegetarian. I think that's the technical term for what I do. So eggs and dairy are okay. Yes, yeah, so eggs and dairy are, are fine. So I get I get a lot of my protein from egg whites, eggs, um, tofu. Uh, this day and age, there's a lot of uh, like meat substitute type items like in the grocery stores, like meat like gardein type products, those kind yeah, of things. Exactly, exactly. So some some protein comes from that. Um, there's also a lot of plant based like pastas and um, Trader Joe's is a great store for vegetarians because there's a lot of um, fun things. Um, so whey protein. To be fair, Trader Joe's is a great store for everybody. That's true. That's true. Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, whey protein. What else? Um, cottage cheese. Yeah. So some dairy and not a ton of dairy, but um, it, it can be tricky at times, but I think, we were up to like 180 grams of protein probably at some point in, in the, in the growth phase and the pre-contest phase. So it's definitely doable. Um, yeah, I think we settled into a groove where like around 150 to 160 was where we spent most of our time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's totally, totally doable. Um, yeah. The, the one thing that I thought was the, that was fascinating, and maybe this speaks to the power of vegetarianism. So I'm certainly not one, but I, you know, I've, I've worked with plenty in the past um, with, uh, I will say, carnivores. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I get a lot of complaints from people like, oh, God, I'm really sick of this protein source. What other ideas do you have? I just can't eat any more of this. I never heard anything even remotely close to that from you. Like you were always good with it. You were never like see, asking me like, eh, what else can I be plugged? I mean, it seemed like you're like, this is the target. Cool. I can make that work. And you add enough variety so that you never really got overly sick of anything. Yeah, exactly. I think variety is the key. Um, I mean, I like routines and I like my same meals, but also you, you have to mix it up like just for your sanity sometimes. Um, and I, I think I, that goes back to the kind of switching it on, like, I knew I needed to hit those numbers, so there's no sense in complaining that I'm eating egg whites again, again, again. 
So um, it's just your job at that point. So That's right. So shut up and do your job, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the third thing that makes you unique is you have, for some time, been dealing with Crohn's disease as well. So for everybody listening who has no idea what that is, educate us a little bit. Yeah, so Crohn's disease is a type of inflammatory bowel disease. So basically inflammation in your GI tract. Um, so it could be your small intestine, large intestine, colon. Um, and I was diagnosed when I was 12. Uh, and so basically I was super anemic, super underweight, uh, pretty close to being hospitalized, um, just diarrhea, sick, um, just just sickly, I would say, in general. Did it really impact, like, nutrient absorption and that kind of thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was just kind of a ghost of a human at that point. Um, And so they actually put me on steroids, non-anabolic steroids, um, to get my weight up uh, when I was first diagnosed, um, just because I was probably, like, 90 pounds, um, I don't know, very very malnourished and and underweight. Um, But anyway, so... That was when I was 12, and so kind of how Crohn's works is it's it's non-curable, but you have to treat with medication, um, but you kind of cycle through medications because your body builds a tolerance to them. So I think I've been on three or four medications prior to the one I'm on now, um, and they range from getting IVs for four hours once a week um, or just taking pills. Um, all sorts of different methods, I guess. and But all of them kind of just lasted a, a year and a half or, or two years. is kind of a, the typical lifespan for the drugs and for your body to build up a tolerance. So that kind of was going on throughout high school. And then um, in high school, I got on a drug called Humira, um, which you've probably seen commercials for because um, it treats other. Yes. Yeah, it treats rheumatoid arthritis, I think, as well. Um, but I got yeah arthritis, psoriasis, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I got on that drug, and at the same time, I was kind of starting to get into. I guess this was in college, my freshman year in college. I was starting to kind of get more educated on the nutrition um, side and like fueling my body. And because in high school I would eat like crap, and I was always skinny, and I didn't care what I ate and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's kind of like the the chicken before the egg, um, which comes first, because I I think with pairing the nutrition aspect and the Humira, I've been in remission um, with my symptoms for the last, since I've been on the drug. So I've been on Humira for six years now, which is crazy talk. Like all the nurses are like, there's no way this should still be working, but I really like think- Like it should have be, started to lose its effectiveness by now. Oh yeah. I probably two years in, I should have started having adverse um, effects of it. So um, just, I think it's a testament to the fact of like having a healthy lifestyle and, and um, nutrition exercise, how powerful that can be for your body. Cause I'm controlling everything I can on my end and, and it's allowing the drug to, to do its thing and not have any, um, I guess, roadblocks. So it's pretty cool. Um, so I'd encourage everyone to, to um, just the healthy lifestyle, I think, is the way to go. 
That's very cool. And I've heard of a couple other people who um, were able to compete successfully um, with Crohn's disease. And, you know, some people have, you know, more extensive uh, iterations of it, I guess, than others. Like some people have had, you know, had surgical procedures done. Others are just managing like you with medication. So a lot of different varieties out there. Definitely, definitely. And I think I got lucky. Mine's fairly moderate. So it, it definitely can be a lot worse. Worse off, so. Still, you're you're giving yourself a lot of degrees of difficulty here when it comes to contest prep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. It's, yeah, when you stop, when you step back and look at it, I guess I just kind of treated it. I don't really see those anymore. Their vegetarianism and having Crohn's is just kind of like a. I don't even notice that I have them anymore. I just kind of focus just forward. things that are baked into the cake. Yeah. Very cool. Well, um, I know we've talked about this a little bit. Um, so what is next for you? Next? Well, I keep getting that question from my relatives. They're like, when are you competing next? I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so I think, obviously, I'm going to continue to lift and, and work out. Um, that's always going to be a part of my life. But I think right now my main priority is just to kind of get back into the swing of of life again and, and live because I feel like I haven't really been living the past five months with the, with the contest prep. So I have yeah, some, you got to learn how to human again, right? Exactly. And so I have some travel plans coming up this summer, going to Europe for a few weeks and um, going to Vegas next month. So I'm um, just kind of getting back into the, the swing of real life and, and then also trying out some new, I don't know, styles of, of fitness and, and working out, I guess, like maybe take some yoga classes or train more toward like a powerlifting strength split. We kind of talked about that. So mm -hmm. uh, just, and also working through some, I have some like really tight hips and just working through um, my body recovering, I guess. So that makes yeah. sense. I think that's good. So uh, future shows on the horizon too early to think about it. Maybe not. What are you thinking? Uh, I would say I would, I'm probably going to take a couple of years off of competing. Um, just, I, I also need to put more size on like that when it boils down to it. Um, so I think the way to do that is to travel, lift, eat some food and we'll eventually get there. <laughs> That always works for putting on size for me. I'm not sure it's the kind of size that I want, but exactly. it, it works nonetheless. Exactly. So. <laughs> well, if people wanted to catch up with you uh, online on social media, how can they find you? Uh, my only social media account is Instagram. Um, and I just changed my handle to Alex in action because um, it had fit in the title, but I didn't want to pigeonhole myself. Um, so I dropped the fit and... Um, so yeah, I'm just on Instagram, uh, don't have any other social media, so. That's good. You got to limit yourself in some way, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other parting shots for people, words of wisdom that you want to leave people with? Anything like that? Words of wisdom. Um, I know the pressure's on, right? These better be good. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I would just say kind of, like I said before, uh, if you're thinking about competing, make sure you know what you're getting into, you're mentally prepared, but um, go at it with full force and have a lot of fun because it is a lot of fun. So It should be if you're doing it right. And if it's not, why are you doing it? Exactly. So. Very good. Alex, that was awesome. I appreciate it. And uh, I'm glad we were able to make this work. I'm glad we were able to get you on here. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.
Absolutely. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we'll catch up with our check-in later this week. Sounds good. Bye. All right. Thanks, Alex. Take care. Time to wrap it up. Closing thoughts. In addition to all the stuff that I talked about earlier, like all the the things that I'm begging you to do, like tell your friends about the podcast, share it on social media, leave ratings and reviews, I totally forgot and kind of buried the lead about something new that we'll be doing here. Um, I made a uh, very brief post about this, I think, on my Instagram story and on Facebook, and I'll be rolling it out more formally soon, but it is live right now. I have a number you can call in. Now, clearly, this is not a live call-in show, but uh, I have a number you can call in. You can leave a message, and then uh, I will play it in uh, the next episode and answer whatever questions you have. So a little Q&A segment that we'll do here. The number, and I will make sure that I post this everywhere, like on the website, just to uh, make sure it's it's prevalent with everything. The number, if you want to write it down, I'm going to give you a little notice here. Get ready. Make a note. Here it comes. Uh, the number is 865-518-2974. So that is the number, and uh, don't worry. So you're not gonna you're not gonna call it and, and me be here like hello. What I mean, that's just an answering number. So it goes straight to voicemail. There's a message that plays um, when you call it, and it will say, "Hey, you know, you're at the right place. This is the answering service for the drop set." Uh, and then what I'm asking is identify yourself. Tell me where you're calling from. Like, hey, this is Darren. I'm calling from Knoxville, and here's my question, blah, blah, blah. Try to keep it relatively short because I am going to use whatever you say. I'm going to use that audio in the episode, and then I'll answer your questions after that. So whatever you've got, fire away. That's the number. Once again, 865-518-2974. So that is live right now. You can call that um, at any time. Um, and again, it's not like it's going to ring my phone or anything. It goes straight into my That's a Google Voice number. It doesn't ring anything. So it's just an answer answering service and I'll check it. I do get email notifications when somebody leaves a message there. So um, call, ask your questions, identify yourself, tell me where you're from, ask your questions, and I will include those and some responses in future episodes. That's all I got. I'm going to keep it nice and tight here and wrap things up. So um, stay tuned. Well, like I said, we've got some uh, we've got some cool interviews coming up. There's always searching for more guests as well. If you have ideas, if you come across something, you read something cool, you're like, hey, I'd like to hear what the author of that has to say about it. Let me know, pass their info on, or just tell me about it, and I'll reach out and see who I can get on here. So once again, thank you for listening. Much appreciated. Everybody have an awesome week.